Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Plot Twist Design Business Podcast. My name is Kelly Collier. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dominique Calhoun of Remix Living and Remix Living Showroom. Stay tuned and let's get started. Hi, Dominique. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Kelly. How are you? Thank you so much for having me today. Oh, I'm fine. Thank you. And thank you for taking time out of your schedule. I know how it is. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So before we get started, I just want to say I'm excited to be kicking off this short series for Women's History Month and that you are my first guest um, for this series. And um, for those who don't know who you are, if you can just take a moment to introduce yourself and share what services you offer for our listeners. Sure. So hello, everyone. My name is Dominique Calhoun. I am the principal designer for Remix Living. We are an interior design firm based in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and we also have a design showroom. So we service both residential and commercial clients here in Philly, and we've been in business for about five years now. Wow, that's awesome. I didn't realize it was five years. That's amazing. It's been five years, Kelly. I know the time flies by, but it's been five years. Yes. So if you can also share with us before we go into um, our other topics on the conversation list for today. Um, Can you share with us how you started in your journey to get to where you are today? And if interior design is something that you always wanted to do, or if you could walk us just through what your path was? Sure. Um, So it's funny because I've never even imagined being where I am today. Um, And the thoughts that go through my mind at this moment of places that I would like to be in my career. But um, I actually applied for um, the interior design program through Philadelphia University when trying to decide, um, you know, what I was going to do in school and all of that good stuff and Mm -hmm. was rejected through the program. Um, So I decided to take what I felt like was the next creative step um, and uh, attended University of Maryland Eastern Shore and did their fashion uh, merchandising program. Make a long story short, um, I did the bachelor's program through Eastern Shore. I felt like being a creative was just life. Um, Once I uh, graduated from there, I felt like the merchandising aspect of the business was something that was not something that I loved. Um, Mm -hmm. And fortunately, by graduating and getting a decent paying job, I was able to purchase my first home right out of college. And I literally got into designing the house um, that I lived in, you know, a space for my daughter, a room for my daughter. And I would post things on social media and people would say how nice it was. And of course, when friends and family would visit, they would compliment the house as well and saying how good of an eye I had and placing things together. So that kind of made me revisit and think about my ultimate 
um, passion, which was interior design, which going back to when we first started this conversation, I had applied through Philly U for their design program, but because I was rejected, decided to take another path. Well, I felt like in those moments um, when people were saying how good of a job I did and how great of an eye I had, it ultimately brought me back to what my original passion was, and that was designing interior spaces. So um, I would say it's always been something that I wanted to do, but it was literally a off into a career. So mm-hmm. once people started to see that, you know, this was something I was good at, um, I kind of promoted myself and decided I was going to take the leap and start a business. And that's literally how it happened. So um, it, it, I just still can't even believe <laughs> I am where I am today, but um, I would honestly have to say it's a hobby and a passion that was always there that just took off into a full-time career. Wow. I love that story. And as much as you and I have talked, I never heard the whole story. So, mm-hmm. so that's is... a story. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's, I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the fact that although you were rejected from one program, you still um, pushed through and took something else, even though it could have been considered an alternate route. And I think it's interesting how we as women, sometimes it does take other women or other people in our corner to like remind us or kind of not even validate per se, but just remind us and nudge us to say, you, what are you doing? Like you should be doing this for a living and all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Absolutely. Um, I think it's always good to have, you know, other people around you um, that are motivating and examples of, you know, what mm-hmm. could possibly be. So Yes, for sure. Well, you motivate me quite a lot. So (laughs) yes, I think I remember the first time we met, I often do share uh, with listeners how I met uh, different people. And I remember, I don't know if you do, but we met at someone's um, sale of items because they were having a moving sale. Mm -hmm. And I remember introducing myself to you and you asked me if I did this um, full time or part time. And we talked a little bit and I think we might have exchanged numbers, but we didn't connect for quite a while after. Mm -hmm. But it was refreshing to meet someone who was nice. You know what I mean? And just to um, connect a a name with a face after Mm -hmm. following you on Instagram. And so um, leading into that, it's so funny how now since you've opened your showroom, I've been there several times purchase and stuff yes um and so congratulations on being the only black woman in philadelphia owning your own furniture showroom yes thank you so much kel um when we go back to that initial conversation like who would have ever thought right Um, right (laughs) i never would have imagined being in the space that i'm in today and even having the conversations for where i plan to grow um, you know, in, in the months coming. So mm-hmm. having my own design showroom was, I mean, it was unimaginable. I would have never thought that this was something that I would honestly be doing and something that I would have been able to attain. But, you know, through the hard work and dedication and just determination, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. once I had it in my mind that this is what I wanted, it was no way around not making it happen. So. Right. 
And so it, it's funny because just hindsight is I never would have thought I would be still doing what I'm doing and um, even having a podcast to talk to you about all of this. So it's just I think it's amazing how women evolve around each other and being in the same city, doing similar things, but so very different at the same time. And you embody that spirit of community over competition that I have as well. And I like that. And for anybody in our area or out of the area, they need to go show you, see your showroom because me and several friends always talk about how we never want to leave. Like it's so, it's just so nice to be in a creative space um, because we always have good conversations, but also just everything you have in there is curated and it just promotes a lot of creativity. Yep. And I feel like that was the overall goal when deciding to open a design showroom. Um, I initially got the idea from attending High Point Market. So when, you know, you would hear as a, a new designer, um, the opportunity of High Point Market and all the excitement mm-hmm. it brung to be able to experience new and fresh furniture and see things before it hits the stores and, you know, go into these beautiful showrooms and be treated like royalty and Mm-hmm. You know, once I had that experience, I, a button, or I'm not going to say a button, a light bulb literally clicked in my brain. And I was like, mm-hmm. I want to bring this same shopping experience to my city. I felt like, you know, when I bought my home, it was just so, you know, not too many options to purchase product that everyone didn't necessarily have in their living rooms um, other than the big box stores and mm-hmm. um, you know we all have the home goods and the Ross and the you know the lower mm-hmm. lines which is basically the carryover of what we are able to experience in home goods but you know those stores are sometimes a hit or a miss you mm-hmm. can sometimes just get one piece and you can never find the second item and it comes with all of that with shopping at the home goods. So I just was like, I want to create um, an inspiring environment um, where people can, you know, view amazing items, have a different shopping experience in terms of the home space. Um, they can come and meet our team, see how, you know, we place things together, how we design and um, curate accessory collections and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was kind of the whole idea behind designing the showroom space. And of course, we needed a home for our team as we started to grow. Um, Of course, when we're small, we start off in our our own homes and um, we create office spaces to kind of work from. But as I felt like I wanted the company to grow, I wanted to kind of create a collaboration space for myself and Mm -hmm. whoever else um, was a part of what was going on in our daily operation. Um, So I just felt like it was very, very necessary. Um, Mm -hmm. So of course we meet with our clients here as well. So we're able to do client presentations. Um, We are able to collaborate with, with what's going on in their projects and um, all of that good stuff. So I just felt like it was time. Right. Well, I can tell you this. And from the beginning, from the first time I walked in there, 
you definitely set the stage for that um, as far as the create creative piece and to promote, you know, a place for other people to shop. Because the truth is, even as professionals in the industry, we are customers as well, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and clients. And so for me, my thought process was, it's, it takes time to set up these uh, vendors. I'm still not done setting up all my vendors. And when I'm shopping for a project or my home, you're always on the list. Why? Because I know you have access to everything I have access to, but it's already there mm-hmm. at the fingertips, you know, some things. And so I think it's just a brilliant idea. And I'm I'm excited to have your showroom in our city yeah. because Philadelphia doesn't have all the glitz and glam with design that maybe New York does, for example. Mm-hmm. But I think we could because our city, you know, we have we have the city for it. But I, mean, I um, agree with that, Kelly. We definitely have the city for it. And Philly is definitely a creative space. Um, going back mm-hmm. to um, you having access to things that I have access to as another design professional. That was one of the main reasons we decided um, here at Remix Living to extend um, other designers to be able to shop through our studio Mm -hmm. and take advantage of, you know, our savings. So Mm -hmm. we offer a service on our website um, where other designers can purchase our, um, what do we call it? Our vendor list, um, which outlines all of the vendors that we have accounts with and Mm -hmm. um you know if there's something that you are interested in from that vendor you can follow up with our team and see how you can go about ordering ordering that product at our wholesale Mm -hmm. cost from that vendor so if Mm -hmm. you are a designer that again like you said have not opened an account or have not met those open and order minimums you are still able to have access to that product I love that. The minimums, that part, Mm -hmm. because I didn't even talk about that. Mm -hmm. But yes, that's a big thing. And I remember you offered that to me, which I was excited about that, too, because, as you know, in the beginning, the budgets aren't always there quite yet. But as we grow, when you do see the budget and you know, okay, this client can afford receivership, right? Mm And it's like, if I don't have an account, then, of course, the go to place would be your showroom. So I think that's great. Um, yeah. So my next question I have for you is something that I hear a lot of interior designers talk about often. So I'm curious to hear, how would you define luxury design? So I don't necessarily define luxury design in terms of spending a million dollars or having Mm -hmm. a very high end budget. I more so define luxury design in terms of what feels comfortable to the client. Um, And I feel like luxury can be defined in many ways. So I definitely think that my definition of luxury design is what feels comfortable to you. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, some people look at luxury is spending more on the product. Um, Some people, you know, it's, it's different ways to look at it, but I, ultimately define luxury as what feel com- what feels comfortable to you okay yep. I like that and so that leads into something else that's a bit uh, it's not controversial but it leads it's a good segue into this part because like you said luxury is often defined by a dollar amount and it shouldn't be mm-hmm. 
Um, but let's talk about budgets because budgets often impact to me the level of luxury, right? Mm -hmm. Um, that, that you might be able to achieve or with any, um, aesthetic. So for your business, does your firm require, uh, clients to have a minimum budget? Uh, we do. So I think a minimum budget requirement is definitely necessary in order to achieve what you as the professional, um, you know, want to be photographably worthy of your work right so and and again this is something that we've been up and running for about five years now so this was not something that we figured out overnight this is something mm -hmm. that through a lot of trial and error we just decided was a requirement to work with our team um, mm -hmm. so we do require a minimum budget and what happens is once we go out to the project for an in-person site survey or consultation where we're assessing the space and reviewing, you know, what's needed, capturing those details from the client on their likes, their dislikes, what they would like to see in the project. Um, once we get back to the office, we are able to assess the notes, assess the client's questionnaire and come up what we see as a minimum budget to purchase all of your materials and product for you to achieve um, what is required in your project. Um, so this way we can, once we send over that design proposal, letting you know what our fees are, we can let you know in that design proposal what your minimum materials budget needs to look like in order for mm -hmm. us to as a design team, successfully achieve a photographable worthy project that we would like to put our name behind. Um, and you can know what to expect um, in terms of cost before you decide to sign on um, and move forward with our services. So this way, there's no gray areas. You can't say no mm -hmm. as a client. And we're very transparent in our process. Now, of course, when, I, when we quote minimums that's exactly what it sounds like it's a minimum once we get mm -hmm. into designing the space and start presenting you with concepts of course that initial design will be within that minimum budget but some clients like to see more they might say okay this is the minimum but i'd like to see something that's a little extra um so mm -hmm. so that's an option as well we can always exceed past the minimum but i definitely think as a design professional um, you, it's definitely necessary to let your clients know minimally where they need to be. Um, this kind of alleviates all of the, the difficulty and second guessing and what they felt like they were going to get in the end. Right. Um, I had like 10 thoughts run through my brain <laughs> just now because, I think in a very, I know for a fact in the very beginning, I didn't even think about a minimum budget. And what happens is I, I feel like this is a real teachable moment though, because in the beginning, you probably experienced this too, but what'll happen is you'll meet with a client and they'll tell you, oh, I don't have a budget, right? Mm -hmm. Or they'll tell you their budget is $200 to just do finishes in a dining room, for example. And what we do in the beginning, we take that $200 and we go finding at home goods and we go wherever we can go to try to like piece stuff together mm -hmm. and you end up using it, whatever your beginning design fee is, that's spent on mm -hmm. gas money because 
it's like you're overworking to do something that's not even realistically uh, achievable in the first yep. place. So you end up kind of working backwards. And then I like the fact that you specify two things. The fact that the budget is just a minimum. So that means that's where we're uh-huh. starting. And then two, the fact that clients will add things on because I know you may have experienced this too, where you'll say, okay, the budget funds are going to be 10,000. They Venmo you this $10,000. And then you get emails or conversations weekly where, okay, now I need to add on two more accent chairs plus a accent table. And then when you have to ask them for 2,500 more dollars, they're questioning you. Yep. And it's like, you know what? Like, listen, that wasn't part of the design. I'm not increasing my fee as a courtesy, maybe, but I'm going to let you add these things on. However, I need more money now. (laughs) And that that is definitely a thing. And what happens is when we quote the minimum budget, when we send out your design proposal, I am literally, I will outline all of the materials that I suggest within that minimum. So this way, when that Mm -hmm. client once we sign on the contract and get into designing, if you add in those two accent chairs that were not on that budget list that I originally quoted, I can go back to the client and say, well, hey, sure, we can add on those accent chairs, but it's going to be 1500 more if they come back to me with the rebuttal. Well, why is it more? I can say because it was not on our minimum materials. Mm-hmm. So, you know, right, right. I would just say, um, it's very important to just be very transparent and to document um, as much as you can. And, you know, this whole budget process, because Mm -hmm. if you don't, and you don't be transparent about how this process works, you could wind up, you know, biting yourself in the butt at the end and losing money out in Mm -hmm. your design fees because you feel bad or the project is not up to par how you need it to be. And then you're spending money that, you know, ultimately should have been kept in your mm-hmm. pocket. So I just, I'm very transparent about budgets um, at the end of the project, or if there is a small overage and a, a balance due for a budget, um, you know, I will send the client an itemized Excel sheet that shows all the charges for the materials. Um, Again, Mm -hmm. I don't give them any original receipts from any vendors or any copies of receipts. I will um, create an Excel sheet and kind of itemize it to the best way I feel comfortable. um, And so that they'll understand it. And if there is an overage due at the bottom, I let them know what's due and why. And that's that. Um, In terms of Mm -hmm. another thing that we don't ultimately consider or it's hard for us to consider up front even though the client might say i have a ten thousand dollar budget yes that's ten thousand dollars that's spent on product but then when it comes to shipping some of the product that's stuff that we can't sometimes calculate for up front we can't Mm -hmm. when when shopping through these specialty vendors we can't get a quote for shipping until the order has been packed and weighed and (laughs) so Yeah, things that <laughs> we need to explain to them in the beginning. So I, you know, strictly, strictly believe in a lot of transparency because we do a lot of education. Um, there are clients that they mm-hmm. just won't know this stuff, of course, because um, they're not supposed to. We're the professionals. So it's kind of our job to let them know 
where they are with things and the project at hand that they're taking on when they decide to sign on with us. Now, that's just me and how I look at it. There are some designers who feel like they don't need to explain all of that. Um, but I, I think it alleviates a lot of uncertainty um, throughout the process. Yeah. I think so, too, because I think, like you said, when you educate your client and you're talking them through every step of the way, it makes a to me, it makes I would think it would make for a better experience. And I just treat people how I would want to be treated, because if I'm spending fifteen thousand dollars, like I kind of want to know where the mm-hmm. money's going. And if you resold it to me and whatever that looks like, I'm not even really interested in that as a consumer. I just want to know where right. the money went. So I think that's really important. But one of the things you mentioned about projects being photograph worthy, I think I just want to touch on that and just say for for any um, prospective clients that might be listening or past clients, to me, the way I'm interpreting this is exactly how you said it. But my interpretation is this, like if I'm coming in to restyle your space and you have a budget of $5,000 and I decide to go ahead and take your budget and do the project for you because I really want to help you, but I still don't think it got where I would have wanted to take it. I'm not going to photograph mm-hmm. it and post it. Um, but to your point as a professional, the reason why that should be important for those who the people that you're blazing these trails for like myself and others is because this is how you were able to get professional athlete mm-hmm. projects. Yeah. Right. Um, with that type of mentality and that type of standard. And I personally admire it and I don't see anything wrong with setting a bar or setting standards for where you want to take mm-hmm. your craft. Um, so with that said, do you have any advice for, any of us out here who may want to achieve one day securing a pro athlete or a celebrity or even being on HDTV, because I know you've been featured a lot in all of those things. So what are some things that you may be able to just um, advise those newer in the, in the business or thinking about getting in the business on what they should be doing? So I would definitely say, so of course, everyone has to have a starting point, right? Um, mm-hmm. I definitely would say for those just starting out in the business, and I know that this can be tough because I was one of those ones that was just so, 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 so eager to have my own and put it out there that this is my design business. Um, But I would have loved to be able to learn under someone so I didn't have to make a lot of the mistakes that I made throughout the process with trying to figure it out on my own. Um, I know mm-hmm. that, you know, with with platforms like social media, a lot, a lot of things look extremely easy. But design and running a design business is literally 80% operations, it seems like, and 20% design. Like it's so behind the scenes stuff that goes on in this business. It is just like you would never even think. Um, So I would definitely (laughs) say if you are literally Mm -hmm. at your breaking ground and figuring out or deciding that design is something that you want to do, try to work with another designer, intern, learn as much as possible that you can um, without just you know jumping out there without knowing a thing 
Um, if I was given the opportunity, I definitely would have did it that way um, and learned and nurtured my craft a little more so that I didn't have to make some of the mistakes I made, but it is what it is. So if you are a designer who is already out there and working and you feel like you just can't figure out why you can't get consistent work or, you know, a, a photographable worthy project, um, you know, maybe you need to sit back and evaluate the clients that, you know, you're doing project work for. Are you not setting those budget minimums? Are, you know, you need, maybe you need to evaluate a few mm -hmm. things in your process. But I can definitely say that um, being able to capture the attention of a pro athlete and having someone like that in my direct messages on Instagram, um, it literally just came from me going hard on social media, posting my work um, consistently, getting professional photos. So my work was able to be captured in its best light. Um, you know, not only... Mm -hmm going hard on social media, but also um, getting a website to make my business more reputable. Um, you know, just trying to be 100% all across the board, you know, professional with everything, um, getting professional images of myself, um, just setting the standard of, you know, how I wanted my business to be viewed and creating a process that everyone had to follow no matter who you were. Um, so I think those mm -hmm. are some of the things that help me um, get to where I am now and also maintain, um, you know, great project work. I'm very grateful. I'm very thankful. Mm -hmm. um, I know sometimes I can be, you know, sometimes I think and I can, you know, just be Dominique and, and be Kelly, like <laughs> frustrated and angry and... <laughs> All of that stuff, yes. but at the end of the day, it, it's hard work, but I wouldn't change it for anything in the world, so. Yep, those are some amazing gems <laughs> you just dropped, and great advice, Yeah, for sure, and we all get frustrated sometimes with this, and I think what I'll say about that, I believe, for you and all of us, is that it's because we're so passionate about what we do, so of course, you're going to be sensitive, mm -hmm. right, about certain things. Mm -hmm. And when you want to try to tell people certain things and they don't receive it or all of those type of um, different things that come up, like not just with this business, but that's yep. business in general. Um, mm -hmm. So I totally understand it. And even listening to you talk about all of the things that you have worked to have in place, it shows and it, it takes time. That doesn't happen overnight. So um, the last question I do have for you is about something else. You've done multiple commercial projects in our city mm -hmm. and out of the city. And I've only done, I think, one uh, on site and the other was e-design for just some finishes. But I can tell you the first time for me, I loved it a <laughs> lot more than residential for a few reasons. But obviously, it's something you love and you're amazing at it. So which one do you like best? And so why? I would say if I had to choose between. Honestly, Kelly, I feel like I like most. I like them both equal. Um, so, of okay. course, when people are more so investing into a commercial project as opposed to a residential home. 
um, especially the row homes of Philly, they're not spending as much money as they would for a commercial project. Um, so there's definitely a difference mm -hmm. in terms of budgets. Um, but I would say when dealing with both my residential and my commercial, I am still dealing with, um, you know, small, small businesses. So people who have worked hard, people who have, you know, saved their money, people who have planned, um, and are just as passionate as if it was their residential space. So I think with that connection, mm -hmm. um, it makes me like both just as equal. Um, I, I'm just a fan of working with my residential and my commercial clients. Now, I do like that with commercial, we can be a lot more creative and step outside of the box, um, which mm -hmm. is definitely what I feel like Remix is known for. Um, stepping outside the box in terms of pattern play and colors and textures and wallpapers and all of those finishes. So if we had to make a choice, uh, which project uh, road is more fun, I would say in that case, it would be commercial, but I like both commercial and residential as equal. Yeah, mm -hmm. I can agree with that. I like I'll just say that I like certain aspects of commercial design better. But I think what that com what that is was only the experience that I that I had to compare is because it was a young lady and mm -hmm. she was it was a business and her passion was there. So I felt just I don't know, it was like a good feeling to be a part of mm -hmm. somebody else's dream like to be a part of making something happen and executing something yep. that they just don't have time to do but the, and they can just give you a key or give you the ball and like make it happen yep. as long as the signage they're is correct good. you know as long as their branding is good then they're good so I can I can definitely relate to that so um I'm looking forward to it, announcing some things that you and I talked about which yes. I can't right now but I'm Biden. like can barely contain it um <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that upcoming and I really just want to say I uh, appreciate everything that you shared today um so I look forward to talking to you again soon and I hope that everyone listening um, for those who are thinking about getting in the industry, definitely yes. took some yes. notes because we talked about mm -hmm. some really like, I feel like that was like a power, powerful moment on budgets and all of those different um, yep. facets of the business. So course, thank you thank again you so for much, your time. Kyle, for having me. Um, I really appreciate, you know, being part of this moment. You are definitely doing major things. I love like you definitely got the <laughs> Thank um, you. the podcast voice. Like your voice is so mellow. It is definitely a vibe. Thank you. So I definitely want to congratulate you on <laughs> all that you are doing, stepping outside of your own comfort zone. Um, I don't see how you are doing this because I'm low key an introvert, so I really don't like talking to people. So I big you up for be for being able to host these conversations. I definitely think. That very, oh, very necessary. Um, and especially being a woman of color in our business, it is dope. So forward to you possibly. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs>
Of course, for sure. Um, and this is the start mm-hmm. of like just different series, which is fun. So again, this is for Women's History Month and just women in general doing some extraordinary things. So it was a pleasure and yeah. I appreciate you so much. And I look forward yes, to talking Kel, to you again soon. soon. Bye. All right. Take care. <laughs>